Let's start with prayer. Holy Father, uh, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to gather together to open up your word, uh, to be reminded of uh, all of your promises and uh, blessings and uh, your salvation that's found only in your Son. I pray that you would be with us, uh, that your Spirit would be with us, and that you'd teach us and instruct us uh, and give us hope. Uh, and we're, we're grateful for, for the body of Christ and all of the, the gifts that you give to uh, each and everyone in the body, and I pray that you'd equip us to use them and that we would uh, seek to love and serve you and love and serve one another. Uh, we also thank you for uh, our brother Bob for rushing over and uh, laying us in. We normally, or I forgot the key, so uh, thank you for these things and uh, pray that our speech and uh, all of our deeds would be honoring and uh, glorifying to you uh, by, by your spirit. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Can open up to uh, Genesis chapter one. Now we will be in John, but you know, since we're going back to Genesis by way of John, maybe we'll go back to John by way of Genesis tonight. And we've been looking at uh, this. This will be the last night where we cover some things that we've covered before, because I, I just don't remember. I, I you know, you know, some of us were were here, but not for every class. Um, have uh, new people who pop in and out each week. So uh, we've been looking at uh, and tracing out uh, the uh, days of creation in the Gospel of John. And just as in Genesis, we will see uh, that you have the six and seven days of creation, uh, and those six days are divided up into groups of three. And so the first three days, days one through three, and then four through six, uh, where you have uh, what's often been called forming and filling. God forms the unformed uh, earth, uh, and then he fills the, the unfilled or the empty uh, earth. Uh, is without form and void. Uh, or uh, the uh, barren, uninhabitable creation uh, he, he makes into uh, fruitful habitations. Uh, and then uh, the, the empty creation he then uh, fills and, and populates uh, with uh, the luminaries, uh, the fish and the birds, uh, beast and man on day uh, six. And in John, we were, we were just reviewing uh, last week and the recordings online, uh, that in Jesus' ministry, the first three days have John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. And then the next three days, after he's been baptized, uh, he's uh, proclaimed uh, Jesus to the religious leaders. Uh, he baptizes him on, on day two in the waters, and the Spirit comes down from heaven upon him and anoints him. Uh, and on day three, he proclaims him uh, as he walks by uh, before his disciples. Uh, and there, there are two disciples there who then go and follow after him. And then in the next three days, uh, Jesus and his disciples set out, uh, and Andrew, who is one of the two 
uh, and I believe uh, John as well, although he's unnamed. He's unnamed throughout the entire, entire gospel. Uh, Andrew then goes to Peter and proclaims that we, we found the anointed. Uh, John says, I am not the anointed. Uh, Andrew now says, uh, we, we found him. Uh, and then uh, Jesus finds, uh-oh, am I going to mix him up again? Uh, which one? Was it Nathaniel or Philip first? <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, I mixed him up last Philip, week. Philip first. So now I'm just going to doubt, you know, every time. Yeah, it's Philip, right? Yep. Yeah. And then Philip goes to Nathaniel, uh, the one uh, that Moses and the prophets has risen, uh, wrote about. We found him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, and so uh, now the, the good news is going forth and the testimony and the witness, not just from John, uh, but now uh, it's, it's spreading and he's uh, calling disciples to himself, uh, those who, who will be his sheep. He, he won't lose one of them. Uh, in, in his very early ministry, uh, we saw that then on the, uh, the sixth day, which John says on the third day, and we, we explained why he says that there, um, but it's the third day with his disciples now setting out, uh, that there's a wedding at Cana, and in the beginning of creation, God makes the man and the woman, and in the garden... He uh, takes uh, from, from the man's side, uh, forms it into a woman, uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, uh, and unites them together. He, he brings uh, the woman, his bride, to him. You know, he's kind of the first father giving away, his, uh, giving, giving away the, the bride uh, to his son, humanly speaking, who he made, who, who he created. Uh, and... So you have the, this wedding, uh, and even on the sixth day, the provision of all of the, uh, the, the vegetation, the fruit-bearing vegetation, plants and trees. Uh, and Jesus, uh, with these six stone jars, fills them with water and turns it into wine, which is a theme of, uh, I mean, the fruit of the vine, uh, God's provision, his blessing. Uh, the, it's often associated with the, the coming kingdom, uh, that he provides, uh, and saying that it's not his time to his mother. Later in the gospel, he'll drink the uh, the gall from the cross, the, the cup of his father's wrath, uh, the wine of his wrath. Uh, and so you, you have some of these ideas that, that go, uh, go throughout. Uh, but here performing this great creative miracle, uh, the one who uh, was in the beginning with God, uh, who existed with God and as God for all eternity, uh, the one through whom all things came into being and apart from whom uh, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now in his, uh, on the sixth day of his ministry, he per performs the first of his signs and his disciples see his glory, uh, this, gr this creative work uh, at, at a wedding. Uh, and it was, it was God who provided these things for, for the man. You know, he, he was the one who, who created before. Uh, now you have this, this new creation uh, and so we saw that then uh, develop into the, uh, the Passover feast. Uh, he, he went down to Capernaum, stayed there not, not many days. And then you have a seventh day Sabbath Passover feast uh, following this uh, that John uh, highlights and draws attention to. 
where uh, he, he even uh, casts out the, the animals and drives, drives them out and, uh, and the overturning the, the tables and such. And part of that, you, you have connections like with, with the man who instead, they, they were given dominion over the animals. You see these animals in the garden, but they end up listening to, uh, to one that, that comes, uh, comes as a, a serpent uh, before them. Instead of taking dominion uh, over them, uh, instead of maybe driving it out or putting it to death, or like Joseph running and fleeing away from uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, going to God, calling out to God, instead they listened to it and rebelled against, against God. And nobody, nobody listened uh, to him. And so you have certain uh, connections uh, throughout the, the text as, as, uh, as it develops, but part also, who was it who walked in the midst of the garden? God did. And who drove the man and the woman out of the garden? It's God who did. And so there, there may be connections uh, even there where, where you have uh, uh, some of these ideas. And we'll see that in with Nicodemus even, where there are a lot of other themes and allusions going on to the rest of the Torah and the Tanakh. Uh, but you'll see like with the bronze serpent in Numbers, which also connects back to Genesis, uh, that it was raised up and uh, they were being, uh, had this judgment uh, brought upon them uh, and it was raised up. And if they would believe God's word and look upon uh, the, uh, the, the serpent that they're being struck down by, uh, they would live. It wasn't the magical properties of the bronze serpent, but God's provision. He said if they'd look upon it, they'd live. And uh, we'll talk about that more uh, Lord willing, in two weeks. Uh, but, and so th this is leading into, uh, into a Jesus uh, discussion with Nicodemus uh, that's really all about entering uh, the kingdom, uh, that you have to be born from above uh, to, uh, to even see the kingdom, uh, and, and you have to be born from water and the spirit to enter into the kingdom. Uh, and so it's all about the a new birth. And so just want to see some of these themes and ideas in, in Genesis uh, that then will be uh, seeing in, in John is some of the background. And so just the first two verses, uh, in the beginning, we saw that in John, in the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void or barren and empty. Uh, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over uh, the face of the waters. And so, right at the beginning of creation, uh, you, you have the Spirit uh, present. Uh, and God, God's Spirit, I mean, it, his, uh, manifests His presence on the earth in the, in the midst of His people. Uh, who's powerful uh, and at work uh, and present uh, before this, uh, this unformed uh, creation to, that's incomplete to bring it to completion, uh, who's there uh, hovering over the waters. As we also mentioned about when you read to the end of Exodus, you see creation themes throughout the tabernacle, and then God's glory manifests and fills the tabernacle, God's, uh, God's spirit uh, present. Uh, in, in the midst uh, of the, the people. Uh, but 
we'll also be seeing a little bit of a, a word play uh, with, uh, with spirit uh, and in uh, Hebrew, uh, uh, ruach, uh, or uh, in Greek, pneumatos. Uh, and it's a lot of times used for, it can be used for either spirit, God's spirit, uh, or, uh, you know, various spirits. Uh, it can be used for, for the wind, uh, for breath. Uh, and so it bound up with all these things. And a lot of times there are word plays uh, because we'll even see as we study through Genesis that as you get halfway through the flood and God remembers Noah, you then have these new creation uh, themes again is, is God now uh, the, the earth is covered in waters again and destroyed uh, before it was just he wasn't done creating it was incomplete now he's brought judgment on the on the created creation the, the complete creation uh, but you'll then have uh, a, a wind uh, that goes forth and, and begins to like dry the land and such like that and as, as we'll uh, discuss uh, later in Genesis, uh, the, the very phrase that he uses helps make clear uh, in the context which is which. But a lot of times there, there's a play on these things. Uh, and even like in Numbers, uh, when he brings the quail uh, to the people, they're complaining and uh, they don't have meat to eat. So God's, you know, he's going to give them meat to eat. And the wind comes and, and brings the, uh, the quail. And so even sometimes when God performs uh, supernatural works or, or providentially uh, when it comes to the wind you know it's it's something that it's it's unseen you know it, it's 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 uh, untangible you, you can't grasp a hold of it you know the the wind uh, and so it is kind of like with the with uh, what's unseen uh, and even God performing those miracles uh, is a, a demonstration that God is present uh, in their uh, in their midst, uh, and so a lot of times their word plays off these things, and we'll we'll see that with uh, with Nicodemus. Uh, and so then, let's see, we go to uh, verse twenty six. Maybe we'll just quickly look at the the creation of man. Uh, some of these ideas that uh, that we're seeing, some of the connections uh, in John, but John, it, it's not just. A new creation accounts. Jesus, it's the inauguration of his ministry, but you, you do have these creation uh, themes and uh, with the tabernacle, uh, now God is tabernacling in our midst uh, in his incarnate son. Uh, the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. Uh, then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the living, uh, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, "Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. 
into every beast of the earth, into every uh, bird of the heavens, into every, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green uh, plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And we even saw with the, uh, uh, the, the head of the, uh, the feast said that, you know, everyone saves the, the good wine until last. And, uh, and then when people are inebriated, then they serve the good wine. But you've saved the good wine until last. <laughs> and this was the beginning of Jesus' signs. It's the same language of in the beginning was, was the word uh, that brings it to a close. And so uh, he declares it was good, uh, Jesus' uh, creative work. But unwittingly, he didn't know where it came from. Only the servants who, who drew the water knew that it had come from him and Jesus' disciples. And he, uh, it was the beginning of his signs. And uh, his, he manifested his glory to his disciples and they believed in him. And so now, just look at verse 4 as you, after the, the creation account, uh, God's rest uh, and, and sanctifying, making holy the, the seventh day that commemorates uh, God finishing all of his works uh, in creation in the preceding six days. Uh, you then go from uh, from the 30,000 foot, you know, picture of creation, uh, where you, you get a, a high overview uh, of everything that's going on. Uh, then we zoom in, narrow in on the garden and the creation of the, of the man and the woman. And so verse four, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that uh, Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, uh, for uh, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground uh, and the mist was uh, going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Uh, then uh, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so here, uh, again, you, you have the picture of the, the formation of the man uh, from the, the dust of the ground. Uh, the Adam, human, uh, is made from the Adama, ground, to work the Adama, ground, uh, here. And so... Uh, created from the dust, from the ground. He's made from the, the same created stuff that all the other creatures are made from. But God then breathes into him uh, the, the, breath, uh, the breath of life. Uh, and we'll be seeing some of those ideas too with, uh, with spirit, wind, kind of this word play. And then God breathing uh, into the man uh, the, uh, the breath of life. Uh, the man became a living uh, creature. And he plants, uh, he plants the garden in Eden uh, in the east. And you have all this 
agricultural language of God planting, God causing the trees to uh, spring up. Uh, and so before God puts the man uh, over the, the ground to work the ground, God himself plants the garden. <laughs> and so it's, it's not, uh, you, you have all these pagan myths that the, the gods, the lesser gods were just uh, too tired out and they, they went on strike and complained uh, because they had to dig all the ditches uh, and canals. And so uh, the higher gods agreed to uh, make man to make them basically their slave labor. <laughs> Here it's noble, it's dignified, God creates, God works before man ever does. Uh, and so, and then you have the, uh, the rivers, uh, and in verse uh, 18, uh, after he sets them over the garden, gives them commandments concerning, you may eat freely from all the trees, eating he may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, you shall not eat from it. Uh, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, or dying, you will die. Verse 18, uh, Then Yahweh God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground Yahweh God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Uh, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. Uh, but for Adam, uh, there was not a helper fit for him. So Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. In the rib uh, that Yahweh God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Uh, then the man said, this at, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Uh, and so now the, the woman, the Adam, human, was made from the Adama ground to work the Adama ground. And now uh, the, uh, the Isha, woman, is taken from the Ish, man, to help the Ish, man. So you, you have uh, these, uh, these word plays uh, in here, but it says something about uh, where they came from and, and God's design and purpose. Uh, now, where humanity was sort of the, the pinnacle of creation uh, in the first uh, days that brought it to a completion, now the woman is, the, is kind of the, the pinnacle as far as bringing this uh, creation account to its close, uh, that uh, so long as it's just the man, he says, it's the first time he says, it's not good, over and over again. Uh, seven times in the creation account, uh, and God saw that was good, and God saw that was good. Seven, and God saw everything they made, and behold, it was very good. And then you, you have the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and... Uh, I think you, you have one more reference to, uh, to, to good in there, uh, at least. And then suddenly, it's not good. It's not good uh, that, that the man's alone. Uh, and so now with, uh, with man and woman, uh, humanity was not complete. Uh, and uh, they, they couldn't be fruitful, multiply and fill, fill the earth and uh, have dominion over it, uh, apart from both man and woman. And so 
you have this, the, the first marriage, which even, verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to, to his wife, and the two uh, shall become uh, one flesh. They shall become uh, one flesh. And so that, that's the lesson uh, that Moses gives uh, to, to draw from that, uh, that uh, making application to the Israelites, uh, to those who, who follow after uh, from this. Uh, and it's important not just in our day, but there so uh, ever since uh, the beginning, before the fall, but then how much more after it. And so just seeing the, these themes and ideas of marriage and man and woman and, and creation and God's uh, presence, provision, blessing, providing uh, the uh, all of the, the vegetation, the fruit-bearing trees and plants uh, are some of, the, some of the things that we see uh, then with the new creation, uh, with the, the word made flesh. And so the, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And then last thing that we'll read, uh, they take from the tree and eat of it. Uh, in verse 7, uh, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of uh, the garden. Uh, and even there, uh, you see God's presence walking in the midst uh, of the garden. Uh, and there are a lot of these creation themes that are pulled into the tabernacle, but seem the, some of the same imagery uh, within, within the garden. Uh, and so it is with the, the temple. And Ezekiel, uh, we'll, we'll see, he even draws on these things, uh, like with Mount Zion and such, uh, that a new, a new Eden uh, that God is going to establish with his uh, with his kingdom uh, and with uh, Zion, his, his holy hill and uh, the, the temple uh, atop of it. Uh, but then uh, even there uh, in, let's see, verse 8. Oh, I, it's not tracking with me, unfortunately. Genesis. Leave the Hebrew text alongside. So they heard uh, Yahweh Elohim, mitalech bagan leruach hayom, ruach the basically in the kind of the, the breeze of the day uh, where, where it talks about. Uh, and so it can be used kind of interchangeably, whether for spirit uh, or, or for uh, the imagery of, of a wind. Uh, they say that the cool of, cool of, the, of the day uh, alongside. And if we read with Noah, uh, as the, you see the, well, maybe we'll just glance. I think it's chapter seven. Or maybe six. Uh, 
No, over, it's eight. It's eight. Sorry. And so then when the, uh, the flood reaches its peaks and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days, uh, then says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow uh, over the earth and the waters subsided. And so you, you have this imagery that's found in the very beginning of creation uh, with God's spirit present uh, hovering over the waters. Uh, but there, here, uh, the, the phrasing is slightly different, uh, whereas before uh, it was uh, where you have Ruach uh, Elohim. Um, in that phrase, I think, as I've looked at in the past, uh, you can tell by context as well, but without exception, uh, refers to uh, to the Spirit of God. Uh, but also with context and, and maybe having word plays uh, alongside it as well. Uh, but uh, here the, the phrasing is uh, slightly different, uh, where uh, the the same word follows them, Elohim, uh, Ruach, and uh, that it passed. Uh, over the uh, over the the earth, uh, and so just even God remembering, uh, and then this wind comes, uh, which then and then God uh, closes. He closes the uh, the, uh, the the windows of heaven and the, the fountains of the deep, uh, so that there's uh, no rain and the, the waters uh, coming coming forth. Uh, to persist, and they begin to reside, and the, the wind dries the land and such. And so some of these things where even when God, in his providence, or performing a miracle, uh, it even signifies uh, God's presence uh, with, with his people uh, in, in working uh, in creation and such. And so uh, you, you'll have plays off this, and part of it is also to, uh, to, to draw attention to this, where you see these a uh, new creation now is uh, Noah goes forth. He makes a covenant with him and his sons after him uh, and even blesses them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, uh, provides them with, with all of the food, the vegetation, but now with the animals uh, as well. Uh, but Noah's going to end up uh, drunk and naked in his tent. So the man and woman were naked and not ashamed, but then they're naked and ashamed after the, they listen to the spirit and they rebel against God. And so uh, with Noah, yeah, right, righteous man, man who, who uh, trusted God, who walked with God, uh, who was a believer, uh, and yet, you know, it falls, falls short of, of the, the expectations. You know, his father, this one will give us rest from uh, the toil of our hands. And uh, Lamech uh, said, and so now let's, let's go back to, uh, to John. And we could also look at that with uh, the tabernacle in Exodus, uh, there, as he's giving instructions to Moses while he's on Mount Sinai, 40 days, 40 nights, that's interspersed with, with God uh, giving uh, promises and, and speaking uh, about the tabernacle and his people. Uh, and so, for instance, he even says, 
uh, and that he will walk in their midst, uh, in, the, in the midst of the, the tabernacle. He'll, he'll dwell among them. He'll, he'll walk in their midst. Uh, and so now here with, uh, with the, the temple, and you have the seventh-day feast that follows shortly after these, uh, these six days that inaugurated Jesus' ministry. Uh, he then comes uh, walking and present. Uh, if we have time, we'll look at another time. But in Malachi, uh, he speaks about how he will send his messenger who will prepare his way. And that uh, the, the Lord will come, suddenly come to his temple. That he's going to come to his temple. And here you have Jesus, the word made flesh, comes to the temple and finds that they made it a den of robbers. And you see his zeal for, for his father's house. Uh, and later then, with the cleansing before, before his death, uh, you, you have a visitation. You have divine a visitation uh, right in their midst. Uh, Yahweh in human flesh, uh, the eternal son of God, uh, walks into their very midst and they don't even recognize who's in their presence. Uh, and Malachi uh, speaks, well, Yahweh speaks through, through Malachi and announces to the people of this day coming and his messenger going before him. Uh, and it's bracketed then, also with, with final judgment. And so you have kind of this play off of John the Baptist who comes uh, in the likeness of Elijah. Uh, with uh, Elisha, he even asks to receive a, a double portion of, <laughs> of, of uh, Elijah's spirit, which is the spirit of God who is upon him. And he says, that's not mine to grant. But uh, then with seeing the chariot, God anoints Elisha with a double portion of, of the uh, the spirit of Elijah. And so Elisha goes in the spirit of Elijah, which is the spirit of God who empowered him. And so you, you have these, uh, these ideas throughout, uh, throughout scripture. And so then you see in Revelation uh, at the end, here they, they rejected John the Baptist. And you see that in Daniel, he said that the, the anointed would be cut off, that this was going to happen, and that there would be a final seven-year period but then you have this interlude. They, they rejected him. Uh, and so God turns to the Gentiles. Uh, and yes, uh, Jews, Israelites, Judeans are saved and redeemed, those who come to believe. But by and large, by and large, the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. And by and large, so many of the people don't believe. Uh, and so uh, then you see the two witnesses who, uh, who go forth uh, Again, drawing on Malachi, and you, you see the end of this uh, as well. And part of it, it, it's God speaking in, in parables to the people. You, you have to read the prophets uh, carefully. And so, uh, lead, leading up to this, uh, the, just at the, the end of 2, uh, where he was uh, driving out the, the animals, and they asked him what signs uh, what sign do you show us for doing these things? He calls it his father's house. It's quite something to call it the temple. I mean, call it the house of God, call it the house, call it, call it the temple. You know, God's sanctuary, my father's house. Uniquely. Uh, it'd be pretty, pretty shocking uh, for him to state that. 
Uh, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, Verse 19. Uh, The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered uh, that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Uh, And he even draws on uh, maybe... Ryan, maybe you can look up the cross-reference for the psalm. I don't know if it's Psalm 45, where he says, it says, zeal for your father's house will consume me. It's Psalm 69, uh, verse verse 9. And we we had looked at that uh, previously uh, with the the connection with, I think it was a Davidic psalm, but the connection with the the psalmist identifying uh, with zeal for uh, for his father's, uh, for his father's house. So, you no, that's fine. I, I saw the, I found the cross reference, Psalm sixty nine, verse verse nine. And so, you see that he he really, that his flesh, he's the very temple, he's the very tabernacle uh, of of God, as the eternal Son of God. Uh, in in him was life. You even later say that the, the father, just as the father has life in himself, so he's granted uh, the son to have life in himself. And you see that bound up with the incarnation, the God-man. But you go read the first, the very beginning of John. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the, this one was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, apart from him. Uh, Nothing has come into being that has come into being. Uh, And then it says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so in the eternal word, he has life in himself. Uh, As uh, Bob Dwayne has said, God uh, has non-contingent being. His being, his existence depends on nothing except for himself, for all eternity. He's self-sufficient. God's aseity, his self-sufficiency. He's sufficient in himself and depends upon nothing uh, for his existence, for his being, for his life. Uh, and so uh, the father has life in himself. And the father grants the son to have life in himself. So he exists non-contingently. Uh, he has a non-contingent being. He's, he's not created uh, just as the father has life in himself. So he's granted the son to have life in himself. And then you see that the father who sends the son, uh, that the father and the son send the spirit. And he's the spirit of life. And so you have this eternal relationship uh, even between the father and the son uh, sharing in the very life uh, of the father. The, uh, the, one, uh, the one essence, the, the one being. And so, one God. And that's why uh, the Father, first person, Son, second person, Spirit, third person, uh, this uh, disorder, uh, they talk about a definite order or taxis of, of subsistence, uh, sort of a standing that the, the Son uh, shares in the life of the Father. Uh, he's the Son of the Father. The Father isn't his Son. Uh, and the Spirit is the spirit of the father and the spirit of the son. The son is not his spirit. The father is not his spirit. Uh, And so you you see these relations, uh, these inner Trinitarian 
uh, relations in uh, scripture between Father and Son and Spirit. And so that uh, then like with the, the Spirit, you can even refer to the, the Spirit as the, uh, the Spirit of Christ. Uh, to, to have the mind of the Spirit is to have the mind of Christ. Uh, there, there's such, such close uh, unity uh, between uh, the, the persons. And so now we saw in verse transition to verse uh, 23 until the end, and this connects right into Nicodemus. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So while he was at, at, the, at the feast, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, uh, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But as we were discussing, and, and we'll see, it's not an abiding faith. They saw the signs. They believed at the time. They believed in those particular signs that happened. Uh, and we'll even see Nicodemus uh, say that they know that he's from God because they saw the signs that he was doing. But uh, according to the uh, tests of uh, a prophet in Deuteronomy uh, 13 and 18, which we uh, discussed in, in depth, uh, is, I looked up, is May uh, 10th of, of this year, uh, that signs weren't enough. It wasn't enough that a, a miracle worker came into their midst and performed signs and wonders. Uh, if they then came along and said, let us follow and serve other gods whom whom you do not know, uh, you shall not be afraid of that prophet. You shall put him to death. You know, if, if you're uh, a son or brother or mother or father and any of your family members or countrymen uh, says, let us go and serve other gods, you shall not listen to them uh, and, 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 and rebel and go away from the God who had brought them out of, out of Egypt, who had redeemed them, uh, who brought them through, uh, through the wilderness and so being a miracle worker, performing signs was never enough. Yes, it's manifestation of his glory. Yes, believers believe in his signs, in his miracles, uh, and recognize his glory. But it's not enough uh, just to believe the signs. It's not enough to just believe that he's some miracle worker. It's not enough to just believe that he's some prophet, but he's the eternal son of God. And, and more than that, you know, Peter and them, uh, they confessed, uh, you're, you're the, the son of God. You're, you're the anointed, the, the son of God. But then when he mentioned all this uh, suffering and rejection and death, they didn't want to have any part of it. That's not the idea that they had of, of the anointed. So true confession, blessed are you. He says uh, to Simon, uh, flesh, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But there's still a veil over their eyes. They, they still don't, they don't understand. Uh, they don't understand Isaiah 53. Uh, they don't understand that he has to suffer and die, be rejected, buried, raised, 
for the forgiveness of sins, ascend to the right hand of the Most High. Uh, And so uh, it's not enough. There's more than signs and wonders. And so uh, Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them uh, or was not entrusting himself, himself to them because he knew all people and he did no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. And as we saw last week, now there was a man, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Anyone want to bet that Jesus knows what's in Nicodemus? He knows what's in man. Here we have a man, but he's a prestigious, a prestigious man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And so he's from the Sanhedrin, a ruler of the Jews, and and they were already sending from from Judea to question John the Baptist, who are you? I'm not the Christ. You know who who he's not. Uh, And he he confessed uh, the anointed to come. Uh, And now Nicodemus comes by night, uh, a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, the ruling religious political council uh, over Judea at the time, uh, alongside the procurator, the governor, the Roman governor. Uh, and so there, there are certain limits to their power, uh, but they had a very great deal of power. And you even see the, sort of the coercion that they can bring uh, upon uh, Pontius Pilate when he doesn't want to crucify uh, this innocent man. Uh, but uh, they, they have sway over the people uh, and can threaten and coerce him. Uh, and so... You have this very prominent uh, religious leader, uh, verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, so by, by night, and now he did come by night, but you, you also see, uh, and Jesus will play off this idea of maybe he didn't want to do it by daytime. You know, maybe, maybe want to be a little subtle, a little covert, uh, we'll even see later in the gospel uh, that uh, when he says, uh, Nicodemus, well, does our law uh, condemn a man before, before hearing from him? Are you from Galilee too? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and people put, put out of the synagogue uh, just for, for confessing and believing uh, that he was sent from God. Uh, and so... Uh, maybe there's a reason he comes by night to, to make it not quite quite so public. Uh, but we'll also see that Nicodemus, at this point, he's in darkness. He's spiritually blind and dead and needs to be born from above. So this man came to Jesus by night. Uh, And now we will see the first of three interchanges uh, with Nicodemus uh, speaking to Jesus, asking a question, Jesus responding. uh, In uh, three times uh, we'll see this. And we'll be looking at the uh, the first two tonight and see how far we we get along. And so uh, he said to him, "Uh, Rabbi, uh, we know that you are a teacher uh, come from God. Uh, for no one can do these signs that you do unless uh, God is with him. 
and uh, even their uh, verse uh, to uh, you know, te teacher uh, come uh, come from God. Uh, and so here you have this prominent man, a ruler of uh, the Jews, and he comes before him, and he opens. Rabbi, man from the Sanhedrin, a ruler of the Jews, over the ruling council, over, over all Judea. And he refers to Jesus now as a rabbi, teacher. Humility, recognizing that he's greater than him uh, in how, how he refers to him, honoring him as that's his teacher. That's, that's what a disciple would say to, to a teacher. Uh, and you even see that with, uh, with uh, John the Baptist. I, I think they'll say the same thing coming up uh, in, the, in the very following section. Uh, some of John's followers, they have a dispute with uh, some of the followers of the Pharisees and such, and uh, maybe the Levites, and they, they come along and refer to him as rabbi, teacher. <laughs> He's their teacher. And you saw the two, almost certainly, well, you have Andrew, Peter's brother, but then John, who's unnamed, who they were disciples and followers of John, but then they follow Jesus. And so here now, Nicodemus, Jesus comes to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so he recognizes him, addresses him as Rabbi, he recognizes him as a teacher come from God, one who's been sent by God and the very proof of that for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so God is, God is with him. He does these signs. He recognizes it. He acknowledges it. Although it's meant to be, it's meant to be positive. Uh, he could just say that uh, we, we know that you're a teacher uh, come from, from God uh, for you do all of these signs. And so he states it negatively, for no one can do these signs that you do. Well, it's not entirely true unless God is with him. And so he means to say God is with you by kind of tacitly, well, no one can do it unless God is with him, of course. You know, uh, Moses did signs and... and uh, uh, you had Elijah and Elisha who did signs. And, uh, and so, yeah, rabbi, teacher, but uh, it's kind of just, I mean, he's just acknowledging here, he's a miracle worker. He's a prophet. You know, he, he teaches on, on, on behalf of God. Uh, and it's like the people that we just saw that at the feast, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Nicodemus among them. But Jesus was not entrusting himself to them. And so, it, it sounds like it's a positive thing. You know, this should be a good thing. We normally think it is. Uh, but <laughs> look at uh, Jesus' response. And literally, uh, more directly, uh, that is to say, in, in verse 3, and Jesus answered and said to him. Now the ESV thinks it's redundant, so they just dropped out the said. 
But the reason that occurs, many times when that occurs, Nicodemus hasn't even asked him a question. But Jesus answered and said to him. Jesus replied and said to him. Uh, and so it, it, it builds it up. A lot of times it's when you have kind of a sudden turn and shift in, in the conversation. Uh, and so uh, John, uh, the, the author, kind of loads it up. Jesus, it's not just Jesus said to him. Not just Jesus answered him. Jesus answered and said. He's going to let him have it. And look at Jesus' own words. Truly, truly, I say to you. Uh, well, truly, truly. So he affirms what he's going to say before he even says it. Uh, but then it, it gets the attention. Truly, truly, I say to you. Well, why doesn't he just come out and say what he's going to say? Why, why say, I, uh, I'm, I'm about to speak? Why not just speak? Why not just tell him what you're going to say? It, he's saying, hey, listen up. Uh, listen to my words. What I'm about to tell you, it's important. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And now it's interesting that the people saw the signs that he was doing, Nicodemus among them. But now he's, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. They see the signs, won't see the kingdom. They, they believed because of the signs, won't see the kingdom. They weren't believing. They didn't rec uh, it wasn't an ongoing abiding faith. They didn't recognize who he truly was. Uh, they saw him as less uh, than he was, uh, which will not save them. Uh, and they just think he's a teacher come from God. But Jesus cut straight to, instead of, well, Rabbi, Rabbi uh, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for, thank you for recognizing. Uh, yes, I am from God. I am a teacher. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, saw and believed the signs. And <laughs> No, he, he cuts right to the chase. Uh, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, which is implicit, Nicodemus, you need to be born from above. You need to be born from God. You're not going to see the kingdom uh, in the state that you're in. So he cuts straight to uh, the spiritual important matters uh, that uh, Nicodemus uh, and the people uh, are not recognizing. And so now with the, the second interchange uh, and then in, in verse 4 and again uh, more directly it says uh, Nicodemus says to him in the present to kind of highlight what he's saying uh, sometimes you have people say that where I don't know if the, Steve Rungi uh, uh, linguist 
uh, talks about some of these things. But let's say if you have someone who says they're telling a story and recounting. So uh, the you know the other day, I uh, pulled up uh, home from work, uh, parked the car, and grabbed my bag, and you know as I was entering the the house, uh, and then. I was just uh, going, going upstairs uh, to the kitchen. Uh, and, and then suddenly, I hear this noise. Suddenly, they cut to the present, uh, the present tense. You know, everything was in the past. They're recounting it. And it, it highlights what's coming, uh, what's, what's about to come, uh, to draw more, more attention to the it. The Hebrew past narrative. Well, uh, in Greek, uh, a lot of times they call it historical present. And so, but we'll do that. Sometimes uh, we'll do that in English, and some more than others when they're telling a story. And so Nicodemus says to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <laughs> so here, uh, now, where uh, Jesus talks about uh, uh, being born from above and, and seeing the kingdom. Now Nicodemus uh, makes it, uh, it's kind of a play off of what Jesus was saying. There, there's a certain ambiguity uh, where some translations have born again. Now, it could be a play when Jesus uses it, but probably more centrally, born from above, as we will see, born from water and the spirit, born from God. Jesus is one who comes from above. He's one who comes down from heaven. Uh, these themes all the way throughout. Uh, but there's a, there's a certain ambiguity where you could take it as being born again, and and, and maybe it, it's kind of like the kind of like a phrase in English. Let's say you're recording something and you say, "All right, take it from the top, do it again." Right, uh, and so being born from above, he kind of plays off of this where it could be taken as again. I I don't know that the history the words quite the same but uh, there's a certain ambiguity that Nicodemus plays off and so you know kind of in good uh, rabbinic uh, discourse uh, you have a little word plays and kind of playing off of, of uh, what he's saying and so Nicodemus uh, how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born and now it's not totally that he doesn't uh, get what Jesus is saying. You know, he's kind of playing off it a bit. But he's kind of making, what are you getting at? What are you talking about? You know, you've been born once. Why would you have to be born again from your mother? You can't go back. You can't do that again. You, you do that once, you're born. You know, that's, that's it. And so what are, what are you getting at? Uh, and so uh, Jesus responds. Uh, first time, uh, first time you, you have, uh, you need to be born from above to see the kingdom. Now you need to be born from water and the spirit to enter into the kingdom. And so uh, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, 
and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, or born from above. Uh, the wind uh, blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but do no, not know uh, where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Uh, and so, just back to the first verse in, the, in this section, and it's all about being born from water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And now, because of shortness of time, we'll have to go into it. Ezekiel, we'll revisit it quickly. We looked in the, the past. Uh, but Ezekiel 36 and 37, uh, with the uh, promise uh, of God making uh, a new covenant uh, in parallel with, uh, with Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah 3, 1, 3, 2. Uh, you even have it earlier in, in the earlier chapters of Ezekiel. I forget if it's around chapter 10, 11 or so. Uh, but he talks about how he will sprinkle clean water upon them and that he will put his spirit in them and cause them to walk in his statutes. Uh, and this, it's all in the context when he's going to bring a restoration to the land and even draws on themes of Eden, even uses the language at the end of it, uh, that, that the, the land that his people shall be in, that they shall possess uh, and rule over, uh, it shall be, shall be as Eden, uh, that they were, the garden of delight uh, that the man and the woman were, uh, were in. And so... Jesus is drawing, here you have a leader of the Jews, here you have uh, one of the most prominent members of the Pharisees, uh, a man on the Sanhedrin. Uh, Jesus is drawing right from the language of Scripture, right from Ezekiel uh, 36 and 37. And 37 is important. A lot of times it's overlooked, the, the valley of the dry uh, bones. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so if Nicodemus did not get it the first time, you need to be born from above to see the kingdom of God. Is he going to get it the second time? He's, he's given him a little, little bit of a hint, you know, a little, little more of a hint to see if he catches on uh, to what he's, he's getting at. Uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Uh, in that which is born of uh, the spirit, is spirit. And so you have this contrast, and Bob's spoken about like two domains. Uh, that which is more of flesh is flesh. That which is more of the spirit is spirit. Uh, and so the flesh, even going back to the beginning of this gospel, uh, and we'll take a look at it uh, next time, but you see that whether uh, Jesus entering into the world uh, they did not recognize him. The world was created through him, but they didn't recognize him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But those who did receive him, so no one received him, not Gentile, not Jew, but those who did receive him, it says they, they, were, born, they were born from God. Not of blood, not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, but, but of God. But by and large, there, there, there's, there's a remnant. Uh, there, there's a remnant of, of believing 
uh, Jewish and even Israeli uh, believers uh, to this this very day. Uh, but it's in here. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's not of blood. It's not of the will of man. It's not of the will of the flesh. So it's not some physical birth. It's not some physical act. Uh, it's it's not a child born in wedlock. Uh, it's not the will or the, the autonomous, sovereign a decision of, of man. Uh, not, not of blood, not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, but of God that they're born. And the man was created from the ground. God breathed into him the breath of life. But after his rebellion, God judged him. From, from dust, you were taken to dust. You shall return. And so death. And so the flesh is born up, uh, bound up with human mortality, human finitude. Uh, men, women do not exist in and of themselves. They don't have life in themselves. That was true in creation before the rebellion into sin. But then after the rebellion, they lost and were cut off from God's provision of life. He preserved them for a time, but they died, and he died, and he died, and he died. And Enoch was not, for God took him. <laughs> uh, and so, that which is uh, born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. A spiritual birth, spiritual renewal, spiritual life that comes from the spirit of God and from the word of God, or the very word of the spirit, or the words that... Uh, speak to you, or spoke to you, Jesus, will I say in the synagogue, John 6, our spirit and life. But some of them, other are those who did not believe, but you do not believe. Uh, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born from above. It's not rocket science. It's Ezekiel 36, 37. It's, it's the scripture that man needs to be born again, needs his heart circumcised uh, by uh, the Spirit of God. And then you have this word play, or pnevmatos, uh, pnevmatos uh, which again, same word form, can be used for spirit, can be used for wind, for the two of them. And maybe kind of similar, talk about even uh, where well, we, we breathe air, talk about breath, talk about wind, and we can get the, the wind knocked out of us. And so you have the wind, you know, with the atmosphere and such, but then you can get the wind knocked out of you. And so you kind of have a relationship between these uh, things in, in breath and wind and uh, bound up with, with life, uh, but uh, God's, God's spirit. And so maybe more centrally wind, because uh, the, the wind blows uh, where it wishes, uh, and you hear its sound. Now, you, you have this idea of blowing. So that, that, that'd be consistent with the wind. Uh, and you hear its sound, but do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And in the comparison, maybe, might lean, lean toward wind. But even then, uh, you, you can, when he says then the Spirit, you can kind of hear back with it. Uh, and even as you're just reading, he was talking about spirit before. 
He's talking about these, you know, these spirit, which is born of the spirit, the spirit and flesh. And when you see the word again, you might initially think spirit. The spirit blows where he wishes. And you hear his uh, and you hear his voice, but do not know where he comes from or where he goes. Uh, so it is with everyone part of the spirit. And so you, you have a play off of it. I'm probably more centrally wind there, but then uh, it, it becomes an, an analogy, a metaphor for, uh, for the spirit of God that just with the wind, something that's it's untangible. You can't, you can't see it with the naked eye. You can't grasp a hold of it, but you, you see the effects. So it is with, with everyone born of the spirit. Uh, and as we'll see, it's the sovereign spirit who gives life uh, to whomever he wills and man cannot control him. It's not from man, it's from God above. So uh, Lord willing, uh, in two weeks, uh, there's apologetics class. Uh, Eric will be teaching on Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, sharing the gospel with them next week. Uh, but in uh, two weeks, uh, we'll continue and pick up uh, and we'll look at uh, Ezekiel uh, and see if we can uh, finish through, uh, through this uh, passage. So let's just close with prayer. Holy Father, uh, thank you for your son. Uh, thank you for your word uh, that uh, reveals uh, your words to us, uh, your, uh, your words through your son, his word. Uh, we thank you for your spirit for carrying along uh, the apostle John and uh, all of your prophets and apostles so that uh, we might uh, know you through your son, by your spirit. Uh, and as he said, uh, this is eternal life uh, to, to know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, uh, the, the only God. And so we, uh, we thank you for this and pray that uh, we would come to know you all the more, uh, that we trust in you and in your son, uh, the very one who uh, breathes into us a new life. And so uh, we thank you for these things and uh, pray that you be with us and with our local body uh, through this week and that we be uh, able to meet together uh, this coming uh, Lord's Day. And we pray in his name. Amen.